So James chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. (laughs) We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses, we make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself set on fire by hell is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by, hu- by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by good deeds and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, here we are again. This is a bit of a blast from the past, isn't it? Uh, In lockdown, uh, I would preach from this location. And uh, in many ways, it's a reminder of how far we've come over the last few years uh, from uh, preaching only online to now meeting regularly in the Rovers Thai pub. And I'm sorry I can't be with you uh, in one sense. Uh, I'm on holiday and I'm uh, preaching this uh, before I go and recording it. And uh, I hope I don't preach um, in parrot fashion. Um, I, I, I think that's probably going to be the, the peak of the humour this morning, um, uh, but let's let's come to God and let's ask him to speak to us through his most holy word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you that you have given us everything we need in your promises for life and godliness. Lord, we pray that we would so hear your word, that we would recognise that it comes from you, our Father, that This is the truth of the Lord Jesus, 
and we depend on you Holy Spirit that in our weakness and sinfulness my weakness and my sinfulness as I speak and as all as we listen that you might do a work in our hearts uh, that we might be obedient children for the glory of your Son in whose name we pray Amen well, if you're just uh, joining us for the first time this morning, we've been working our way through the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words, and we've been uh, particularly using a book uh, by Jen Wilkin in our discipleship groups. And uh, the way that she phrases this command is honour reputation, that the, the, the five commands to do more with loving our neighbour, that the last five commands are often about honouring honouring marriage or honouring property, honouring our mother and father, honouring reputation. But barely a, a week goes by, doesn't it, and there, there isn't someone whose life has been destroyed by a social media feeding frenzy of false allegation, a Twitter storm. We live in a culture where truth is relative and Everybody feels that they can say their own truth, even if it's very far from the truth. Fake news is acceptable if it sells newspapers, it gets more hits on websites. And increasingly our culture indulges in trial by media. People don't seem to mind if they assassinate others through their words on social media. And there's so many examples of this that have happened of late, is there not? I, I guess one that came to uh, public uh, recognition was the case of Nicola Bully, who tragically, as the inquest uh, investigated, seems to have been uh, involved in a, in a tragic accident, slipping into the river. And yet all manner of theories were shared in the public domain in the public courtroom of the the Twitter sphere or social media, at great pain to her family. And so now more than ever, maybe this particular command from Exodus chapter 20 is needed. Can we see it's glorious simplicity. Can we see how important this is as a principle for our public and civic life as much as our private life? It reads like this, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. As we've seen, as we've worked through the Ten Commandments, these commandments were not the, the way in which God's people were rescued from Egypt. No, God in his grace and mercy rescued his people because of his faithfulness to the promise he made to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. He rescued his people from slavery because of his grace, because of his mercy. And then to enable his people to, to relate to him, to please him. He'd carried them on eagle's wings and now they were in a relationship with him. He gives them these ten words. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. And of course this command refers 
Initially, in the Mosaic Covenant, the agreement to, between God and his people that God instituted through Moses, to the necessity of not lying in court. Giving false testimony can be akin to murder because it consigns innocent people to punishment, even the death penalty in, in that time in Israel, and it allows guilty people to, to walk free without facing the justice that they deserve. So to lie in court strikes at the very heart of justice. And we can see how important and how applicable this is to our public life today, can we not? But what I want us to consider this morning is how this impacts every one of us in our lives. Because as with all the other commandments, Jesus amplifies this command in the Christian life such that it extends to forbidding all lying and all falsehood in our speech. Two points that we'll consider this morning. First, do not lie as it destroys life, it destroys life. And secondly, speak the truth in love to build life in Christ, to build our life in Christ. So firstly, do not lie as it destroys life. It's perhaps clearer and easier to see how lying can destroy life, destroy lives. So we, we've just been thinking about this in the introduction, but it, it has specific outwork in particular court cases. It is heartbreaking, isn't it, to hear of people who have been locked up. Some have even gone um, to, to, the, to the death penalty because of false testimony in court. In the States, uh, Willie Stokes is free after having served 37 years, 37 years, due to a false witness that was produced, sadly, by the police. Ricky Jackson, similarly, is free after serving 39 years for a murder he didn't commit. He was, he was seen by a 12-year-old boy as, as an 18-year-old and put at the place of murder, falsely uh, condemned and served 39 years. Films like The Shawshank Redemption pick up the themes, don't they, of wrongful imprisonment. And when there are lies, a false witness, it is particularly heartbreaking what people suffer how their lives are destroyed by false witness. Do not lie, it destroys lives, it destroys life. But this points to the teaching of Jesus that lying is destructive in many, many more ways than just making somebody suffer for 37 or for 39 years through wrongful imprisonment, all the loss of their life you see, for Jesus, lying is destructive because it comes from the father of lies, from the devil. It doesn't mean that lying is never, ever the correct moral choice, like when the Gestapo knock on the door to take Jews away from 
one's house to concentration camps, then of course the right thing to do is to lie when a person was asked, are there any Jews in your house? But the exception proves the rule. We've already seen how Jesus commands his disciples earlier on when we were thinking uh, about uh, the, the commandment not to take the name of the Lord your God in vain, how Jesus amplifies the expectations that God has on his people's speech. So keep a finger in uh, James and turn back with me to Matthew chapter 6 for those of you who may not have been with us. So Matthew chapter 6. Uh, you'll find it on page 971. Sorry, it, I've got the wrong pages. 917 is Matthew 5, and we're beginning at verse 34. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair black or white. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. See, Jesus is saying that to have an area of our speech where lying is okay, and then an area of speech where we need to say, well, now I'm really telling the truth, and I swear, I swear an oath that I'm telling the truth. I swear on the temple or Jerusalem or my head or my mother's life or whatever it might be. If we have to say that, that comes from the evil one. It comes from the father of lies. And so it's not a surprise that as the apostles take up the teaching of Jesus on truthfulness of speech, they say, like Paul does in Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 25, therefore, because we're new creations, we're new beings, we're putting off the old life and we're putting on the new life that we have in Christ, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, as we've been considering in all the commandments if we think that we do not lie that here is a commandment that we keep easily we maybe need to think again as we've been working our way through the commandments commandments like you shall not murder or you shall not commit adultery or you shall not steal According to the teaching of Jesus, we are all guilty of murder because hatred comes out of our hearts. We're all guilty of adultery because lust comes out of our hearts. We're all guilty of stealing because we don't give to the needy. We're not concerned with justice as we ought to be. We steal glory from God. It's so easy to minimise the commandments, the law of God, so that like the Pharisees, we can keep them. But the way Jesus expounds the commandments is so that we can see how perfect God's standards are. And James picks up this idea, if you like, that out of our hearts, out of our mouths, comes all kinds of things which should not be. So now let's turn to James chapter 
3. He says in chapter 3 verse 2, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. You see, we're so prone to speak in such a way that is destructive, that removes life from others. To be able to keep our tongue under control is to be a perfect person. There was only one of those. It is not any of us. See, if we think that we never sin in what we say, that we've reached perfection, in reality our speech is far more destructive than we think. It is why James says few of us should aspire to being teachers. In verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I find that kind of verse in the Bible troubling. Do, do pray for me, because I'm aware, as all of us who teach the Bible should be aware, that we will be judged more strictly, and I tremble at my weakness. I know very well, you know very well, that I'm not a perfect man, that I cannot keep my whole body in check, that when I speak, often I say things that are far from perfect. So do pray for me that I would be considering the judgment day to come, the day when I stand before God and give an account for all the words that I have said as I preach. And those of us who preach, let us be looking to that day. Those of us who aspire to preach and to teach the Bible, let us be looking to that day, not how people will react to us, but what God will say on that day. And James says that because human beings cannot control their tongues, we need far more than our own resources. We need the Lord Jesus Christ and his life in us. And we need to be reminded that the way that we speak is often destructive. It's a powerful part of the body. And James gives us three images to help us think about how powerful the tongue is, how, how it can guide things, how it can destroy things. The first is the, the bit in the mouth of a horse. It's a, it's a tiny thing in a horse's mouth, isn't it? A bit. I, I'm not a particularly horsey person. I think they're terrifying animals. I can't understand why anybody wants to get near them. But anyway, my, my, my daughter uh, enjoys riding horses. I, I, can, I can see it's in, enjoyable, but you've got this tiny thing in a horse's mouth that controls this vast beast. Or the other image that uh, James gives is the, the, the rudder at the, the back of, of a ship. Those of us who go sailing will know this. Or, or if you canoe, it doesn't take very much just to change the course of the boat, does it? Just a small, a small um, uh, bit, bit of uh, the, the paddle, using the paddle, just, just a tiny bit and off you go. It, that's what the tongue is like, James is saying. It's like the rudder at the back of a ship. It, it's small, but it turns this vast super tanker of a thing with just a tiny bit of metal tongue is so small and yet it, it can have such powerful effects and they're not always good. A spark, James says, just that tiny spark can destroy a whole forest. And we, we've seen that, haven't we, in the wildfires in Spain or California and even here. 
tiny spark, maybe just a glowing ember from a barbecue, or a thrown away cigarette butt. That's what the tongue is like, says James. Verse 5, likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, as itself set on fire by hell. See, the tongue has such destruction in it. You can't get a more destructive image, can you? You see, by what people say, by what we say, we can corrupt our body, set the course of our life on fire and burn in hell. That's what James is saying. It's not what I'm saying. And he's taking it from his brother Jesus. No one can tame the tongue, verse 8. You know, lots of animals have been tamed, James says. But no one can tame their own tongue. So if we're the kind of person that thinks we have our tongue under control, maybe we need to think again. Because Jesus teaches that no one can tame their tongue. We're all liars by nature because we are all sinful by nature. And why are we like this? Why does James say we're like this? Well, it's because of two kinds of wisdom, he says. One that comes from the devil and the other that comes from heaven. So verse 14 first. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, we do have something like that in our hearts. Do we not sometimes? Selfish ambition? Bitter envy? And we certainly have pride. But if you harbour better envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Lie. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. We might think that James is laying this on a bit thick, but he's... He's writing to all the churches of the, the, the diaspora, the, the, the churches that had come from um, scattered synagogues uh, throughout the first century. You see, what James is saying is the devil and his demons work through our selfish ambition, through our boasting and our envy, and their influence leads us to speak words that deny the truth, that lie. And because of the influence of the father of lies, we lie. Now, James is not calling into question the, the Christian identity of his readers. He's writing to Christians. But he's warning us of the destruction of lying, at where it comes from, spiritually. See, I used to think that slander and gossip were not that bad, you know, it's what happens in a corner. You know, lying about people behind their backs, character assassination, gossip, well, according to, according to James, it's demonic. And I'm so thankful that we have a church culture that is open and honest because this enables deep relationships, doesn't it? It enables us to, to support one another, to love one another, to share. But let's not be under any pretense that because we are all sinful, that we will never gossip. 
about someone else. Or you will never slander someone else. Let's not think that because we are all committed to this wonderful community that is Cornerstone Church Colchester, and it is a joy to be a part of, isn't it? It's a wonderful community that God is building. Let's be under no illusions that the enemy will try and destroy our relationships. And the way that he will do that is through lies. See, I think there are times in a church's life when relationships can be tinder dry. And all it takes is a small spark. Someone saying something boastful and proud. And all of a sudden, those loving relationships can go up in smoke. Before you know it, people are talking about people in ways that Christians never should. Anger erupts. Hurtful words are said that cannot be taken back. And I know many of us have experience of these things. And they're deeply, deeply painful and extremely destructive of churches and Christians. And we know whose work it is, do we not? So how should we respond when in our speech, in our conversation, somebody spews out a spark that could set the whole church on fire? Well, we need to douse it down, don't we? How do we stop it spreading? How, how do we put out that cigarette butt or, or, or stamp on that glowing ember to make sure that the, the forest fire doesn't get a foothold? Well, not only do we need to understand that we should not lie because it destroys life, all kinds of life, not just lives, but spiritual life too. We need to know what the antidote is, and that's our second point. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love to build our life in Christ. And the first thing to say as we've been considering, uh, as in our series in Ten Commandments, is that there is only one human being who had perfect control of his tongue. And we know who that was and is. Everything he said was perfect. He claims in John chapter 12, verse 49, I did not speak on my own, but the Father who commanded, who sent me, commanded me to say, all that I have spoken. Jesus claims that every word that came from his mouth was in obedience to his heavenly Father. And as fully God, fully God the Son, of the same substance as God the Father, as of the same substance as God the Holy Spirit, in being nature he was God. His, 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 his being was and is and always has been God and always will be. And so everything that came from his mouth was pure. So he spoke perfectly. He spoke exactly what God wanted him to say in exactly the way that God wanted him to say it. By his words, his teaching, he was put on trial and condemned. That they brought false testimony against him, didn't they? False testimony after false testimony, but none of the mud stuck. The only way that he was going to be executed the only way he was going to be crucified was by what he said. 
And so when he was asked, tell us if you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he said, yes, it is as you say. But in the future, we'll see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And so he was charged with blasphemy and condemned to death because of his words. He was handed over to the Romans to be crucified and he died so that people like you and me who trust in him are forgiven of our foul words that come out of our mouths and given his righteousness, his words, his pure and perfect words. That record that we will be judged is the record that Jesus had. Every word Jesus said will be judged before his Father in heaven. And praise God, we won't be judged for the words that come out of our mouths, but because of the words that came out of his, which was truth and grace. And by the new life that he's given us, if we've trusted in Jesus, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, so we are able to speak like he spoke. We are to speak the truth in love, like our Lord the one who was full of grace and truth. And so when James speaks of how we are to speak in a way that is peaceful and loving and kind, he speaks of this wisdom, the one who is wisdom, we might say. So James chapter 3, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. See, the wisdom we operate by is not the wisdom of boasting and pride and anger, but the wisdom of a good life. Wanting to do good for others. A humble life. That is the wisdom we look to, the wisdom that came down from heaven in the person of Jesus, who is our wisdom. Verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is, is like what? Well, it's first of all pure. Then peace-loving. Consider, we're thinking about other people all the time, not ourselves. We're submissive. We're wanting to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're wanting to submit to those who lead us. Full of mercy. We, we want to have a, 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 a long fuse with each other, do we not? Full of mercy. We're covering over other people's faults. We're, we're treating others with the mercy with which we've been, been treated by God and good fruit. We're, we're, we're wanting to have fruit of language which blesses others, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. See, what lies at the heart of speech that is peaceful and gentle and kind and encouraging and nourishing it's humility. Not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. It's that wisdom from heaven, the one who came from heaven, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He took the form of a servant and was obedient even to death on the cross. Every word that came from his mouth was what his father wanted him to say. Not what he wanted to say, necessarily. He wrestled with his father's will in the garden, didn't he? It's that kind of wisdom that masters us. It's the wisdom that says, as James says later on, 
he gives us more grace. Chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but shows favour or grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. See, these things go together. Humility before the Lord, his grace at work in our lives to enable us to speak peacefully to one another. Although you're watching this uh, several weeks uh, uh, after I record it, um, uh, cast your minds back to what's happening now, which is Wimbledon. And uh, it's amazing tennis, isn't it? And, uh, and yet even the, the, the distant war going on in Ukraine affects everything, doesn't it? Even Wimbledon, even down to the, the handshakes in, in tennis matches, the way that people relate to one another on a tennis court. And the media, you know, you know, maybe they make too much of it, maybe it's right to show how that war out there is affecting the smallest of things, a handshake at the end of a tennis match. And if we're Christians, we are at peace with God. He has made peace with us. He's died for us in the person of his son. And this is to be reflected down to our very words. We're at peace with God. We're at peace with one another. We are peacemakers. So our speech is not just to be humble and peace-loving, but it's to be seeking to to, to work that peace amongst us uh, the way that Jesus did. And how did he do it? He spoke the truth in love. And this is where we'll uh, close. So if you want to just um, flip back with me to Ephesians chapter 4, which you'll find on page 1175. See, just as Jesus spoke the truth in love so we are in him we're in his body and so we're to be those that speak the truth in love building each other up so chapter 4 of ephesians verse 15 instead speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is christ will grow up into christ that's our aspiration because we're already in him we're to speak like jesus christ Instead, speaking the truth in love, well, instead of what? Well, instead of being spiritual uh, infants, in verse 14, tossed to and fro by the waves and winds of religious fads, uh, instead of being deceived by the cunning and craftiness of deceitful people, lying people, which obviously comes from our spiritual foe, instead we speak the truth in love. That's how we scotch the glowing ember that might cause the forest fire in the church or that that's how we stamp out that that little glowing cigarette butt that could set everything ablaze the antidote the sort of spiritual water if you like is speaking the truth in love it's, it's a hard balance isn't it it's a knife edge we can by personality sometimes be a little bit too truthful and unloving or so loving that we never want to speak what is true to people because we don't want to test the relationship but we are to be like the Lord Jesus Christ because we're in his body we're growing up into him and so we speak the truth in love that that is the antidote which preserves all our reputation and most importantly the reputation 
of the person whose name is on us, the Lord Jesus. And so Paul continues in verse 14, from him, that's from Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See how we connected together, how do we work together, each doing the, the right things that we should be doing in the body which is Cornerstone Church Colchester? Well, it's by speaking the truth in love. Now, whatever age we are, exercise is helpful, isn't it? I, I'm about to go on holiday and I'm looking forward to get, getting more exercise than I normally do, which will be a bit of canoeing, a bit of surfing and walking. But whatever age we are, we, we know that going to the gym or swimming or cycling or canoeing or playing sport is good for us. That There's a wonderful feeling, isn't there, of, of health, of, of, of muscles aching in a good way, of strength being increased, we can lift more at the gym, or, or joints being strong and stable once, when they were once wobbly and painful. So how is the church healthy and strong? How do we get joined together, the ligaments and the muscles of the body of Christ being joined together? It's by speaking the truth in love, so that each part does its work. And I'm so grateful to God for the words that we often use for one another of how valuable our community is to each other, of the depth of relationship that we have, of the honesty with which we can express ourselves. And we need to keep doing this. Only speaking out of love for others. When we hurt one another, we forgive each other because we've been forgiven. We work peace because we're at peace with God and with one another. When we give feedback, we do so with love and gentleness. You know, some people say, don't they, that families are free to disagree, and so disagreement is a good sign in any family. Well, I'm not sure if that's true. Sometimes family disagreements can be pretty horrendous. Sometimes disagreements in a marriage can be awful. No, the standard of Christian speech is higher than our family standards, if you like, our marriage standards. We are to be, as Paul says in Philippians, like-minded. We are to contend for the gospel as one person. We are to be of one mind, not looking to our own interests, but the interests of others. Because you see, there's a reputation that we should all be concerned of or for. And it's not just my reputation or your reputation or our reputation as a church but the one who is at work in us building us up we should have that wonderful feeling of speaking to one another in in truth and love so that we're all growing up into christ so we reach the full measure of the maturity that we can have in christ because we bear his name and we're to speak like he did full of grace and truth because it is not just our reputation or the reputation of our church that concerns us but the reputation of the name the name of jesus christ so may we in his power and for him and by him and with his power at work within us and for his glory be those that honor his reputation. Let's pray together.
Lord, we're so sorry that in so many ways what comes out of our mouths dishonours you, destroys the, the life of other people around us, their spiritual lives. And Lord Jesus, we're sorry that we, we lie in so many ways to preserve our reputation, maybe uh, that we speak in ways behind people's backs that are not honouring of their reputation. Lord Jesus, we pray for your forgiveness for ways in which this dishonours your reputation, dishonours the name that you have placed on us. But Lord, we thank you that you forgive us and you restore us and you cleanse our mouths so that we can speak for you again. Lord, please give us more grace, we pray, and help us as a church to be growing ever more in speaking grace and truth to one another. We ask this for your glory's sake. Amen.